Google's Pixel 3, the best camera phone you can buy for 400 bucks. It's 2019, do you really need antivirus? Some help with USB charging when you travel? And it turns out I have a lot to learn about Linux gaming. It's all coming up on TechFit. Thank you patrons, without your support via patreon.com slash techthing, we would not be able to make this show for you each and every week. Join the crew that makes TechThing possible over at patreon.com slash techthing. I'm Shannon Morse. And I'm Patrick Norton. And this is TechThing, where we have something useful in every single show. Oh my goodness. Uh, heads up. <laughs> I'm just going to say one thing here. New okay. side channel flaw. Zombie load. Some friends of mine were super pissed off about this, uh, in part because they're all PC enthusiasts and in part because many of them administer massive amounts of servers, um, but it's called zombie load. Uh, so remember, remember um, Spectre, the thing oh, with the Intel no. chips and the patches and the mayhem? So basically zombie load is like that, pretty much all post-2011 Intel chips, there will be a hit, uh, depending on the, the processor, the application between three and 9% we're hearing. Ooh. We'll get more into this. Uh, we probably won't get more into this. Just heads up, if you <laughs> want your chip to be secure, you're probably gonna be applying a patch, and when you apply the yes. patch, you might or might not notice a performance hit. If you're running servers, boy, you're probably really pissed off right now. This does sound like a story option for ThreatWire though. So I might be digging into this more next week on ThreatWire. So yeah. keep an eye on ThreatWire if you are not subscribed to that already. Stealing sensitive information directly from the processor. Yeah, <laughs> that, that sounds sound fun. <laughs> well, uh, just wanted to just tell you all about that. Thank you, Patrick, I appreciate it. I'm so sad. <laughs> <laughs> there is a reason that I've been flinging around this teeny tiny little device in my hand just now. Uh, this is the Google Pixel 3a, the one that I had teased last week, the one that I had said that I was going to purchase. It's not that teeny or tiny, it's yeah, a freaking phone. That teeny, uh, that's the Google Pixel 3a. There's also the 3a XL, which were released last week by Google on Tuesday for $399 and $479 respectively, hearkening back to the days of the Nexus devices. So this is like the cheapest Pixel phones that we have seen on the market yet. For all of the cranking and torquing and whinging last week about plastic, it actually feels this is a very nice plastic. Right? Yeah. So more on that in a bit. Uh, they both come in three different colors. There's just black, there's purple-ish, and then there is clearly white. The 3A XL has a six inch display while the 3A, which is the one I have, is a 5.6 inch display. Everything else is the same, sans the battery, which is 3000 milliamp per hour in the 3A and then 3700 milliamp per hour in the 3A XL. So today I have the 3A to review. And uh, this one was actually sent to me by hashtag Team Pixel. So thank you, Google, for sending it over to me. Uh, the first thing that I noticed when I opened the box, and I have tons of footage to show you, were a few different differences from the 3XL that I have at home. There is no dual front camera, no earbuds in the box, and the phone appears to be plastic, or for fancy folk out there, it's called polycarbonate instead of the glass on the back like you see with the Pixel 3XL. I think it's a plus. Yeah, me too. Like it, you unless you tap on it, it's really hard to tell the difference. <laughs> Generally, they feel the same, and other than the color, they look almost exactly the same too. There's also no wireless charging, no water resistance that contributes to the inexpensive price point, so 
fair given the price and given all the advertising I've seen for it, plus the availability, like it's on Verizon, T-Mobile, Sprint, US Cellular, with, and it also works with AT&T too, it seems like Google's trying to hit a much larger market for day-to-day -day users, not necessarily like early adopters. Well, there's time. a lot more people that can afford a $400 phone than there are people that yep. can afford a $1,200 phone. Yup. <laughs> <laughs> the Snapdragon 670 CPU is a slower processor than the ones you see in the OnePlus 6T or the Pixel 3 XL. Both of those come with 845s, but it's not noticeable unless you're doing like lots of, for example, burst mode photos or night sight or capturing lots of high quality video. You will notice a teeny tiny slowdown compared to the others whenever, like right after you take the picture and when you're trying to load it up in the Photos app. So it takes a bit of time to save those pictures. One of the things you were saying is it takes longer to load applications compared to your, yeah. your flagship Pixel. Are we talking like twice as long? No, no, okay. <laughs> definitely like microseconds really. <laughs> I noticed a slight speed decrease whenever I was opening mm -hmm. apps, especially heavy duty apps like uh, using satellite functionality in Maps or AR in Pokemon Go. Those types of things took a little bit longer to load, but okay. once you were in there, it's super fluid and it's nice and crisp and everything is fine. So $600 for microseconds, <laughs> for microseconds, maybe a couple of yes. seconds. Uh, also for more storage too, because you do have that 128 gig with the Pixel 3. This one is capped at 64 gigs. Uh, Google Pixel 3a owners do get unlimited free backups of the compressed high quality resolution photos stored in the cloud on Google Photos. If you're an avid photographer or vlogger like mm -hmm. I am, I prefer unlimited in original quality. So that will require a little bit of extra work and money on my side. I have a micro SD card on this with 400 gigabytes of storage. Yeah. I've got, I just, I would like to have more storage on Me too. Phone. Just stick, you know, headphone jack and a little bit more storage. That'd be great. <laughs> so inputs have moved, by the way. USB-C charging is still on the bottom. The SIM card slot is shifted to the side while a headphone jack is at the top. I tested that headphone jack too with the Rode Wireless Go kit that I reviewed last week. The Rode definitely makes the audio more directional whenever you're using the 3A, so you're recording ends up with less room noise, or in my case, less airplanes and cars going by. And I did record a couple of examples shown here so you can get a taste of what the audio sounds like. All right, I am testing the Rode wireless mic to see how it sounds in an outdoor field type of vlogging adventure. Let's see how it sounds. It's plugged into my Pixel 3a and I am using my DJI Osmo Mobile for nice smooth effects. Hopefully I can make this my new vlogging setup because this would be amazing. Okay, and now I am testing the Pixel 3a without the Rode Wireless Mic Go Pack to see how the internal microphone sounds and if this would be something that I could use for vlogs without the Rode mic. Okay, and this is using the internal mic on the Google Pixel 3, the larger one, the original 3, to see how it sounds compared to the internal mic on the Pixel 3a. The speakers are now on the front at the top and on the bottom edge instead of the front at the bottom. Uh, dual speakers as well, FTW, which is great. And the speakers on the 3A are clearer too than the 3XL, though they don't get as loud. They don't get the same muddier sound that you get with the Pixel 3, so I'm perfectly okay with this. Uh, they sound good, they sound very clear. The display has more of a yellow or warmer color than the 3, which is slightly more blue, but don't panic when I say that, the only time you would notice that is if you have two phones side by side and then you you might say hmm this one looks slightly more bluish but it's, it's not it's not, a it's major not thing. the blue like when the pixel launched it's no. just 
not you know it's like 5200 kelvin instead of 4000 kelvin yeah exactly okay. like that's the only time you would notice uh the 3a has a full hd plus it's a 2220 by 1080 oled screen mm -hmm. that is super crisp it's very bright and it's 441 pixels per inch and there is no notch at the top which you will notice here it is not a bezel-less phone though but i would take less screen real estate for a headphone jack any day I really like that headphone jack. I just turned on Google Assistant. It runs Android 9 Pie, has a few new features. Maps has a new AR option for walking navigation that will help you figure out which way you should be facing at any given time. It's really cool. It reads what's around you and what street corner you're on. And then it says, oh, I know which way you're facing. Turn that way. Oh, wow. It's m much better than just like navigating and trying to figure it out by turning around and then doing this with your phone. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. The camera now has a depth editor for portrait mode. There's a color pop to make the background black and white, which I think my mom will truly appreciate. <laughs> photo booth, which is found in the camera app, can now recognize and snap a photo when mm. you when you make a kissy or a duck face. Yeah. <laughs> it's a thing. Google Assistant works the same. You can still use Active Edge like I accidentally hit just now, so I pro should probably turn that down a little bit to squeeze for the Assistant, which is cool. Can you program that to do anything other than launch Google Assistant? Nope. You know, Google, even Samsung gave up on Bixby. Yeah. Not that the Google Assistant isn't more useful than Bixby, but just let people do things with it. Well, you are guaranteed for three years of updates, which is great, straight from Google. Ooh. And you get the Titan M security chip, the same security chip that's in the Pixel 3. So there's a plus. Yay, no customization of the Assistant Active Edge, but you get security. More security. Yay. How's the battery life? Uh, the battery life, yes. Uh, there's an 18 watt adapter that's included in the box that gives you seven hours of juice on a 15 minute charge and the battery itself easily lasts all day. Nice. It's slightly larger than its predecessor phones. You can expect these to last slightly longer too. Given my 3XL has a lot more apps and background <laughs> processes running on it every single day, this was a given. So it does last longer than my 3XL. However, that's not necessarily a fair comparison given mm. that I have so much more stuff happening on the 3XL currently. The rear camera is a 12.2 megapixel f1.8 aperture lens with OIS and EIS built in, autofocus, and 1.4 micron pixel size. It can do 1080p at 30, 60, or 120 FPS, 720p at 30, 60, or 240 Ooh, FPS, which is super science, slow. Though. Yeah, and 4K at 30 FPS too. So we're still stuck on 30 FPS with 4K. Oh man, let's get those GoPro speeds up in here, okay? Time-lapse is cool though, it's super fun to mess with. Uh, you set your frames to record at your chosen time interval and then you can see how long the output video will be. Don't panic if you notice a long time-lapse and the screen dims after some time, that's totally normal, it's there to save battery. I love taking time-lapses of my cats. That's like my new favorite thing now. So I'm gonna ask you flat out, is the camera in the $400 Pixel 3a as good as the camera in your flagship $1,000, $1,200 Pixel phone? Spoiler alert, yes. TLDR. <laughs> Photos were clear, they're vibrant, portrait mode is still rocking, things like burst mode, top shot, super zoom, night sight are all included. My photos were almost exactly the same as the 3XL. I was impressed. Something It was something that I expected given you have the same camera specs and that's exactly what they were advertising. Expected or hoped for? 
I hoped for it, and I hoped they were telling the truth when they were marketing it, and it turns out they were. So I'm really happy about that. <laughs> Colors were accurate. Details look totally fab. Uh, portrait mode still looks great, as I mentioned. It's not as incredible as a full-frame camera sensor, though. That's kind of obvious, though. <laughs> the front-facing camera is 8 megapixels. It's 1.12 micron pixel size, mm -hmm. a little bit uh, larger in that case, with an f2.0 aperture. It can only do 30 FPS at 1080 and 720p or 4K. So you do have a few options, but we're stuck at 30. FPS. My portrait still had trouble defining my hair, which is no surprise. That's the same issue I have with the 3XL, and you can definitely see that in some of my portrait Artificial pictures. Artificial intelligence is not currently advanced enough to deal with Shannon's hair. Yeah, I can't deal with the hair. Yeah, all ladies out there have the same issue. I had lots of fun messing with Photo Booth, the new kissy duck face gimmick thing. I mean, it was it was kind of stupid, but it, it did not always do a good job, but it was kind of funny. So, so basically press the button. Yeah. Just press, just press the button instead of using Photo Booth because it doesn't always work. So for 400 bucks, I believe, in my opinion, that it's an absolute must buy. You miss out on some of the specs, but you do gain that headphone jack and you get the Pixel camera and you get vanilla Android that comes with immediate security updates. It is plastic but it doesn't look like it. Now for 180 bucks more, you could get a OnePlus 6T, which I would say is its closest competitor in price and features. But for the under $500 market, I would say this is a sure buy if you want all those premium features in a smartphone that is inexpensive. So if you have any questions about the Pixel 3a, like Patrick, I think has one. Is it all about the camera? Yes. <laughs> It is all about the camera. A camera for 400 bucks, like that's a great price for well, a pixel, just for the a Pixel flagship camera. camera for 400 bucks. Yeah. Because I mean, I got a camera in this yeah, for dude. like 250, but it doesn't look that good. Yeah, this one looks good. So tweet me at snubs if you got a question or send us an email, askattechthing.com. I'll be happy to answer any questions you have about this lovely little device here, since I will have it on hand. Terry, the answer is always Coffee McLaughlin. AKA at Gotham Heights, Texas tweets. In 2019, should we use antivirus software? I usually use nothing or Microsoft's baked in software for PCs. Thanks from ATX. Except that was probably read with a Texas accent. Thanks, y'all. From ATX. <laughs> in any case, Terry, if you're in Austin, please, please, Migas for breakfast tomorrow. <laughs> Someday I shall return. Also, barbecue the salt yes. lake is ever wonderful. Oh, so good. Uh, as far as antivirus or anti malware goes, I mostly run Windows Defender, uh, which I find a lot of you know, uh, it's a lot of Windows or security folks that use Windows. If they're not like I'm on Kali Linux yeah. or nothing. Um, actually just run Windows Defender. If I'm feeling uptight, I'll run Bitdefender. Uh, Malwarebytes Free is a good tool for scanning or cleaning up your PC. If you're like, <gasps> did I just click on Satan's posterior, and, and I might download and run malware bytes or if I'm going over to somebody's house who thinks they may have. <laughs> well, you know that moment where you you, you, you you think like, was that the right executable? Yep. Like, you know, um, not that I run into that that often, but uh, by the way, props to PC Mag for reminding me about malware bytes. Yes. If we're talking, say, dad's PC, assuming dad isn't particularly savvy, I'd consider running a full AAV anti-malware tool, although I, I have a lot of friends that are kind of divided on that because mm -hmm. they're pretty comfortable with Windows Defender and, you know, their parents are, you know, it's, if you get, like, small children or, or the non-tech savvy away from, like, <gasps> <laughs> 
Windows has a virus. This ad just told me on the internet I should click on this and no. download and install it, and then put don't a rootkit on. Yeah, don't do that. Um, you know, but it's nice to have more advanced real-time protection. For most enthusiasts, Windows Defender is uh, pretty solid. Now, just for fun, I asked the internet what they are running. And it's odd, I, I got a lot of responses that were pretty much exactly what I expected. Cam, aka Mr. Summerson, tweets, Windows Defender gets the job done efficiently and best of all, silently. I don't even think about antivirus anymore. John Birchman, Malwarebytes Premium, at Justin Sale, Windows Defender plus Malwarebytes, uh, at iTate, aka Kirk, Avira, so far so good. Windows Defender, Windows Defender, the free version of Sovos is pretty good, says give Pat a job, just Windows Defender, Bit Defender, says Rafe, though I'm probably not going to renew it this year. Not anything bad about the product, I just don't need it. Defender with occasional scan using malware bytes, Bitdefender. Uh, man, we just kind of keep going with it. Defender or nothing on Linux and Mac. Uh, caution is used when checking email and web browsing too, so there's that. Uh, AVG, Bitdefender, Bitdefender, AVS, now just Windows wow. Defender, ESET, Nod32, Nod32, malware bytes. <laughs> I run Nod32 online, but I disable all real-time protection. Nod32, <laughs> Windows Defender. It kind of goes on and on. Um, at great blog, Tyler, he has something that, that I thought was a good thing to remind all of us. As for not using AV, that's asking for trouble. As skilled as computers as we are, stuff still happens. And the nice thing about Windows Defender is, of course, that it's built into the operating system and it updates automatically. Yes. What do you run? I'm Windows Defender. <laughs> and I'm a security person. So yeah, Windows Defender is my go-to for Windows 10. Yeah. I, it works. It does the job. We'll have a link to that thread in the show notes. So you can kind of, you know, I, I suspect more and more people will dogpile on that over time. Or maybe that was it. But uh, a lot of people are really comfortable with Windows Defender. Could be crazy. Could be fine. You'll find out <laughs> when your machine explodes and attempts to eat your face. <laughs> Aliens Part 7, the Windows Malware Edition. <laughs> Terry sent us a question. You can send us a question. We love your tips and your suggestions of products and ideas to check out. Do us a favor, tweet at techthing, at snubs, or at Patrick Norton, or just email askatechthing.com. And a big shout out to our patrons, patreon.com slash techthing. You pay the bills, you make the show possible. Our thanks to you. Join the crew that makes Tech Thing happen at patreon.com slash techthing. Thank you so much for supporting the show. I recently decided to update all of my tech travel gear, mostly out of frustration at like really slow charging speeds. Cause really? yeah, I haven't done that in a long time. Was it the charger, the cable? I mean, what? What's... Kind of everything. Really? Yeah. So I had a really old charger. It's an mm -hmm. anchor one. So it the thing has lasted for like seven years right. since I first bought it. But my, my cables were old too. And I was just like, I need to update everything. Uh, the speeds for my older gear, like those things, I just wanted to get faster charging times. And I also wanted an excuse to kind of, you know, class up my suitcase a little bit. Did you actually A-B test the charging time between like your old cable and your new cable? Uh, yeah, and it's really easy to do so whenever you have an Android phone because it tells you at the bottom, quick charge, or it tells you charging slowly. So <laughs> that's wow. all I had so to did, do. Did swapping a cable take you from slow charging to quick charge? Yep. That's so irritating and I know. so awesome. I know. 
know. So <laughs> this is going to save me a lot of time whenever I'm traveling. So I won't cover everything that I upgraded here, like the suitcase itself and non-tech related things. So for that, check out my personal channel, youtube.com slash Shannon Morse. But this is my new tech travel gear in case you are also looking to upgrade for the 2019 summer season. It's happening soon. I know a lot of people out there are going to be traveling. You might find these things to be very, very useful. So first off, I took a note out of Komei's book and brought some of those little waterproof labels home for myself for all of my different cables and I color coded them too. So I have like the red one for Thunderbolt and the blue one for micro USB. So it's really easy for me to just like get one out of my little travel bag and know exactly what I'm grabbing. That's impressive. So yeah, highly recommend those cables and Komei, thank you for recommending them. I love that they are waterproof too. And I use them to color code all of those things. Well, the labels, not cables. Yes, cable the labels. labels. The cable labels, yeah, purple, red, all of them. Uh, right now they're $11.89, but I bought them closer to six bucks. So that price seems to bounce around quite a bit on Amazon. Do you get hundreds of labels for six bucks or $11.89? You get 720. So a lifetime supply for so, most people. Yeah, it's a lifetime supply. <laughs> New cables include uh, this Anchor Thunderbolt that I purchased. Uh, this one is a Thunderbolt 3.0 USB-C to C cable. This one will be great for laptops that do 100 watt charging. It's also really great for 40 gigabits per second data transfer speeds. This is an investment though. This cable itself is $29.99, so it's quite an investment in a cable. However, Anchor does have that really great quality and a return service that is top notch. Yeah. So I'm, I'm buying into the fact that if this thing ever breaks, Anchor will, Anchor will replace it. I mean, this is also what you're using to charge your laptop. Yeah. And I will, I, it is amazing how fast some USB laptops will charge. Yeah, it's very amazing. So that will be extremely useful for USB-C charging over Thunderbolt. Uh, Anchor Powerline 2. There are several Powerline versions of Anchor cables out there. The one that I got is this one. It's the Powerline 2 USB-C to C Gen 2 cable, which is perfect for my Pixel 3. So this one supports 10 gigabits per second data speeds and up to 100 watts, 5 amps of charging, which allows me to get that fast charging that I mentioned out of my Pixel 3. So this is great because I don't want to necessarily unplug my Pixel 3 cable mm -hmm. every time I want to travel somewhere because then I might forget it and then I will be out a cable. Uh, this one is also highly rated by Wirecutter and it costs $19.99 for one. So also a little investment piece. Um, on the plus side, I also decided to get a Belkin USB 2.0 A to USB C cable for compatibility sake, which can do three amp charging, uh, 480 megabits data speed. Quite a bit slower, but that's obvious given that it's USB 2.0, little USB-A, yay. So that's fine. Uh, but this is for like my older devices that do accept C. And if I have like some kind of thing that only has a USB 2.0 or USB-A type of port, mm -hmm. then this gives me the option to still charge USB-C items, which sometimes I do run into that factor. I'm, I'm in the opposite boat right now because I'm playing around with, with the Lenovo IdeaPad that has all USB-C. Oh, ports. yeah. <laughs> I'm just kind of like. <sighs> uh, this one is $8.41 8 mm -hmm. for one current over on Amazon, so not a bad price at all. And it's extremely long too, which is very, very useful. Now I do also still have a lot of micro USB devices laying around. So I also invested in this awesome little three pack. It costs a little less than eight bucks. They're Anchor micro USB to USB 2.0 cables that are constructed a lot more durably than my older ones, which were starting to fall apart. So I definitely need to needed to get some new ones.
hands. I this is great for like my DJI drone, which takes micro USB, some of my other little tech things that I take and carry with me. So I definitely needed some. Something that's worth thinking about is cables are they're you know they're disposable. They're, consu yeah. they're not disposable. They're consumable. Yeah. Like dispose of them properly, but they are consumables, and no matter how good they are, they will fall apart over time. Especially yeah. like you know you're probably replacing some cables, some micro USB cables that are like six eight years old. Yes, that's the thing. Yeah. So I'm glad they lasted so long, but I mean I'm okay with investing another you know eight dollars to get three new ones. So with these, I then needed a new wall charger, which is the one that Patrick is holding here, because every hotel room I ever stay in never has enough outlets for all of my things. But now... So this thing is great. It's called yeah. the Anchor Premium 60 Watt 5 Port Desktop Charger. It fit the bill quite nicely. It's small, it fits on a nightstand. I've already taken it to Disneyland with me, which was awesome by the way. So much fun. And it had all of the ports I needed for my devices, plus an additional quick charging USB-C port. So that USB-C port, it supports power delivery at 30 watts max. Also wonderful for my Pixel 3. The others deliver 2.4 amps per port. Now I tested every single port on my last trip. They all worked at the desired speeds easily and it cost $34.99 and that is a sale price that's currently on Amazon. These are lifesavers if they you are. have children and you travel and are in hotel rooms yes. or if you it's have true. all of yeah. the gear. It's so nice. That's something I'm super excited to take with me to like CES. Mm -hmm. This will be great for charging all of my camera gear. And I actually bought two because I wanted to put one on my computer desk at home as well and upgrade all of those cables. So highly recommend this. I've already tested it. It works great. I've actually tested all of these cables already on my last trip. So each of these go with me on all of my trips since I can carry all the cables and the charger in a compact little bag. But for longer trips, I invested in a couple of new chargers as well. So this Anchor Power Strip, which you see here, it costs $35.99 and it comes with a USB-C power delivery port, which also supports that 30 watts. It also has two USB-A power uh, ports that can do 12 watts and then two AC ports as well, which is perfect for like my editing laptop and say my hair straightener or whatever else <laughs> I might be carrying with me. I just wish it was a 65 watt USB-C port. I just want to say I, that. Me too, me too. Because laptops. I, I'm okay with that, you know, it works. Definitely, uh, but yes, because laptops. Uh, it is a very small compact design and the plug here is sideways. So when you plug it into a wall, you do have a little bit more flexibility as far as where you can plug it you in. You don't block the other jack. Yes, you don't block the other jack, which I absolutely love. I also purchased a couple of adapters, uh, new converter slash adapters for international travel. I have not gotten to test these yet, but both of them are from Doace. It's D-O-A-C-E over on Amazon. They're converter and adapter combos. Uh, they are 2000 watt voltage converters with 220 volt to 110 volt devices. So you can step down to 110 if you need to. The older one has an eight amp universal power adapter and then the 2019 upgraded model is 10 amps. Uh, they are $34.99 and then $47.99 for the upgraded model, respectively. I, again, I have not had a chance to test these overseas yet, yet, but they do seem to be built a lot better than my old Conair one. And they are less bulky, too, which is wonderful. Nice. I even got these cute little travel bags. Uh, this one comes with adapters for all of the different places that you might go. This one has them all built in. So depending on where I'm going, I have one for my husband and one for myself. And I 
did check online and people said that it works with hair straighteners and hair dryers and stuff like that. So luckily I will have that option to use those. Now I am leaning heavily on Anchor products with all of these, but as you know, Belkin is another good option. Rav Power also has some really nice travel goods too, especially like cables and batteries. It just depends on what your needs are. And for me, these all fit my needs perfectly. My biggest concern was portability mm -hmm. and speed. And these new adapters did fix that problem for me. Uh, so if you have any opinions or options out there or things that I should look at, let me know what you are using on the go. If you have any recommendations, I would love to share them on the show with everybody else. So you know how to reach us, ask at techthing.com, or you can tweet us at techthing too. So a couple weeks ago, I was talking about Element Operating System running on an Athena Computer Silent PC. Um, and because I'm me, I said the gaming on Linux still sucks. <laughs> and then the internet responded. Actually, uh, Don uh -oh. McCullough posted on YouTube, sounds like you guys haven't tried Lutris and Proton Gaming on Linux. Sure, it's not a one-to-one -one Windows gaming experience yet, but damn, Patrick, that was a bit harsh considering how much progress has been made in the past couple of years. Plus, there are quite a few games that run natively through Steam or in the repos that run great and are fun to play. Maybe look at Lutris and the ProtonDB and some sites specific to Linux gaming and give them a fair, unbiased try. You might even like it. Don't get me wrong, I'm a Windows gamer. Only reason I keep Windows. The devs for some of the tools I use for game modding explicitly stated that they won't support Linux ever. Aww. All right. I'm on it. <laughs> Zgecko added, gaming on Linux doesn't suck these days. Valve has been actively working on making gaming on Linux as seamless as gaming on Windows with Proton and even contributing back to Wine, which is really cool. Many Windows only games run just as well on Linux with a little effort to get running through Steam Play. Bart Dogger's tech channel added, the best two Linux distros for gamers in 2019 are Pop OS and Manyaro. They are very easy for setting up Steam. Download the Linux distro and install it. Install updates, download and install Steam, download a game and play. Rob Snyder hit one last really big nail in my Linux gaming coffin. Patrick, you disappoint my inner Linux child. Aww. If I can play Overwatch and Shadow of the Tomb Raider and GTA 5 on Slackware without a lot of messing about except for compiling packages, which you don't have to worry about if you're not using Slackware, but say Debian, then you can have a pretty close to Windows gaming experience without even rebooting. All right. I have heard you. I apologize. I am getting some experience with Lutris and Proton, and uh, we'll be talking about it later this month. Props to Don, Zgecko, Bart Doggers, Rob Snyder, Joe Panico, and everybody else that shouted out in this one between YouTube comments, email, <laughs> and running me down on the street with a hammer. <laughs> oh, yeah. The I, internet. <laughs> now, nobody ran me down on the street with a hammer, but I do appreciate the heads up. Email askatechthing.com. Post in the YouTube comments down below. Tweet at Patrick Norton. And uh, thank you. I, I, I screwed up. I will educate myself and I will share my experience with all of you. I'm actually really curious to see if I can run my personal favorite game, which I will not name at this moment, <laughs> without emotional trauma. That's all I'm going to say. Well, I know my favorite can run. <coughs> Ray tracing, though. And remember, once in a while, put down that phone, step away from the screen, close the laptop, and do something analog like Komei, who I mentioned earlier in the episode, who wrote into askattechthing.com. Hi, Shannon. Patrick, I recently came across this video tutorial on how to print pictures on a stone, and I tried it myself. And he linked us over to the website. 
The results look cool. The best part is it will only cost you $10 or so if you already have an access to a laser printer. You can print in color or black and white or process in Lightroom and Photoshop, etc. before printing to make it look even more interesting on the stone surface. If you want to create a gift that carries some weight, <laughs> <laughs> this is a great way. Cheers from Komei. I was uh, laughing so hard when I read this uh, because it uses Mod Podge. Uh, oh. CreativeLive.com leaves the website. Again, link down in the show notes to the instructions. If you've never heard of Mod Podge, you probably didn't grow up in the 70s. It's a decoupage medium, an all-in-one glue, sealer, and finish used <laughs> to attach paper and fabric to various surfaces. If you're a cosplayer, you know what Mod Podge is. Oh my goodness. So my, <laughs> my mom and I made Christmas ornaments using old pictures and shells and Mod Podge literally over 40 years ago. Wow. And they are still in amazing shape. That's so cool. Um, it's I don't know what it is made out of. I'm a little <laughs> afraid. Um, but, you know, it is a pretty amazing substance. Uh, if you, well, first of all, thanks, Komei, for the video link and for the links to some tile stores here in the Bay Area should we need some rocks to print on. Uh, by the way, the Mod Podge website has a couple of methods that they uh, they kind of pioneered to transfer photos to objects, uh, direct to surface, decal. They talk about how to print on fabric. Do yourself so a favor, cool. go forth and create. Go forth, Gundam team. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Maker Fair. I will be at Maker Fair this week. That's right. And the Both take of a us party will. booth. And uh, you'll be running around looking for shiny objects. I will. I will be running around and vlogging and looking at all the shiny things. What's your robots. favorite thing to find at Maker Fair? Things that make fire. <laughs> I'm Patrick Norton. I'm Shannon Moore. We'll see you next week on Tech Thing. Did you ever have your eyebrows like get singed? Uh, yes, once that happened. Yeah. <laughs> Drinking plus fireplaces, not fun. Or camp, camp, uh, fire, fire pits. That's what they're called. Yeah, not fun. Did somebody like spit Everclear into the fire and you got a fireball? Basically, or did you just, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's good times. It's always so. It wasn't me ass. doing that. <laughs> yeah, that was great, super fun. But luckily, it didn't like singe the whole thing off, so I was okay. <laughs> Blow the fire unless you've been properly trained. Although I do actually have a book by one of our favorite magicians and YouTubers. Mr. Brushwood? I have Brushwood's book on how to eat fire. Awesome! So cool. <laughs> I haven't gotten to that point yet. I'm still just enjoying lighting candles at home. Yeah, you know, successfully starting a, a wood fire without lighting a wood fire. Me too! Yeah. Children, very, very, very true. Uh, but again, we will be at Maker Fair. I'm so excited about it. I love going to Maker Fair. Yeah, say hello. Um, I will likely be carrying around free stickers. So if you want a free sticker, say hello to me at Maker Fair. I will give you a free sticker from my anime channel. And remember to say please. She gets really angry. Start rumors. It's I'm true. Not, that's not true. I'm